Hey, everybody. Welcome to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntris here. Tremendous conversation today with Ashley Robinson. Ashley's been on the show before. She's been on with uh, Jason Inman, her partner, uh, in creatively and personally. They did an incredible job on Jupiter Jet, their first uh, Kickstarter and first comic book. They're on to their second project. It's called Science, and it's pretty good. Pretty neat stuff. It's uh, a look at uh, Academy of Cadets. There, as she says, a little Harry Potter feel to it, but more from a scientific standpoint. You know, think Star Trek, think Babylon 5, think the organized uh, space academies and space forces. Space force, if you will, uh, of the future. And uh, this is great. It sounds like a really fun book. And, uh, you know, it, it certainly has its similarities to Star Trek. I know that Ashley shares uh, her love for Star Trek as I do. It comes up in this conversation. Of course it does. Can't help it. Come on, man. We're sitting on this second trailer. We're, we're sitting back and reflecting on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we're excited about the uh, Patrick Stewart uh, Picard series that got teased out in uh, Las Vegas. So all that is rolling along, along with our conversation about science and a lot of other things as well. I really enjoy Ashley's work. She comes on the Collider video channel and is one of their talking heads, and I think a great one. Again, I think she proves her prowess in uh, this discussion and uh, always has me laughing in the appreciative way, not in a condescending way at all. Uh, it's always a pleasure when I see them at conventions, and we spend a little time throwing back and forth as well. Uh, Ashley has become very quickly one of my favorite geeks out there, and I'm very happy to have her back. Her second appearance, her first solo appearance on Word Balloon. Ashley Robinson for the hour on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon, of course, is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your Patreon support. We are reaching the end of the month, and uh, I thank you very much for your subscriptions to Word Balloon. Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. I know people hear these A-list sponsors at the beginning of the show, and yeah, it's helping. It's it's extra income. It's not a lot. I'm honestly, those commercials you hear, I'll be full disclosure, making about $100, maybe $130 a month from that stuff, which is nice. I thank the uh, sponsors of Blog Talk Radio for their ad help and ad support. But, uh, you know, you can't live on that. And the Word Balloon subscribers, I'm not asking to live on your money either, but it is making it easier for me to get to conventions and make the connections that I need to for Word Balloon. So thank you very much. If you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, if you think that the content that I provide each month is it worth a dollar a month? Is it worth the price of a comic book a month? Trying hard to give you every month a full batch of interviews that, uh, you know, supports the comic book culture. Gives you more fresh uh, views on uh, new books and uh, old books and great conversations with creators. And I hope I'm providing you with entertainment that you can't find anywhere else. If you like it, if you'd like to support it, you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. You can also go to the front page of wordballoon.com and click on the ad. I thank you for your loyal support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon this month is also brought to you by Aftershock Comics. Check out what's cooking at Aftershock Comics right now at aftershockcomics.com and at your local comic shop. Hit series like Animosity by Marguerite Bennett and Raphael De La Tour. Baby Teeth with the great Donnie Cates and the great Gary Brown. A Walk Through Hell by Garth Ennis and Goran Sudzuka, as well as exciting new titles like Hot Lunch Special featuring Elliot Royale and Jorge Fornes. Beyonders by Paul Jenkins and Wesley St. Clair. And we just had him on recently, Moth and Whisper from Ted Anderson and Jen Hickman. 
You can check out what's rumbling at AfterShockComics.com. And we'll be talking more about Aftershock books in the middle break. But now, let's turn our attention to Ashley Robinson and her Kickstarter campaign for a book called Science. It is wonderful to have Ashley on, and uh, I think this book deserves your attention to uh, pre-order via Kickstarter. And uh, we'll go from there. But it's great to uh, hear how her Kickstarter uh, campaign is going and also uh, the things she's learned from her first Kickstarter with Jupiter Jet. So uh, it's a pleasure to welcome Ashley Robinson back to Word Balloon. Ashley Robinson, welcome back to Word Balloon. Great to have you back. And uh, congrats on uh, the recent work and the upcoming work. Thank you. This is my first uh, solo flight here on Word Balloon. So hopefully I live up to muster. Oh, I'm sure you're going to do fine. Please. (laughs) You're very media savvy, as we know. Great uh, experiences on Collider Video, right? Isn't that what it was? Uh, You know, I I don't even know what its current iteration might be. I believe it is still Collider. Um, I don't know if it's Collider Video. I don't go into the office there actually uh, very often. I'm going in tomorrow, though, so fans of Collider. Can check hey, that cool. out. Yeah. yeah. So, but now so, they got a now they got a sports section, so you gotta get on that. Wow. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm T V ready or not. <laughs> I uh that's terrific. That's really cool. Yeah. I, uh, so so yeah, give me the rundown of all the current Collider hosts. Of course, unfortunately, uh, a moment for uh, John Schnepp who uh yeah. passed away uh, late summer. But uh yeah, so who are who who's part of the current roster there? Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of the old uh, standards. Amy Dolan, uh, Coy Jandrew, Marquia, I, McCarthy. I'm sorry, Marquia. I can't remember your last name right now. I've been up for a very long time. Uh, John Roca, Christian, and Mark are still doing their schmoes thing. Uh, Mance has, Scott Mance has a show there okay. now. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Wendy and Perry are still doing horror. I think that's it. I okay. can't remember. I think Makuga might be part of the sports thing, but I'm going to be honest. My knowledge of it is limited. That's all right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We won't talk sports. Uh, okay. I, you know, I saw you guys. Weren't you on the panel live uh, last no, uh, no, or October in New York Comic Con? Yes, I was. Yeah. I saw you there. Absolutely, man. I mean, I know we saw each other at the con, but uh, no, I remember watching you guys uh, perform live. That was a great live panel, in fact. Yeah, they're so. always good fun. Now, the major reason why you're here is to talk about a new book that uh, you and Jason Inman are working on. And I, I, every time I see the title, I want to scream like Thomas Dolby. You must. Yes, science. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a new comic. It's our sophomore offering to the world of comics. Uh, people, uh, listeners here might be familiar with our debut comic series, Jupiter Jet. Uh, a lot of people are shocked that we're not doing volume two of that right away. Um, but interestingly enough, we were developing science around the same time as Jupiter Jet, and Jupiter Jet just took off first. So we kind of put science on the back burner uh, with a great publisher who understood where we were coming from so that we could make sure that we did both of them as much justice as possible. That's great. Now, who is publishing science? Uh, Canadian... Eisner-nominated Bedside Press, uh, run by Hope Nicholson, who's just been amazing. Uh, So the interesting thing about her and her company is she is 
a lot like uh, Iron Circus, which is run uh, by Iron Spike. Her model is entirely crowdfunding based, so it's a non-traditional comic book publisher. So we did have Jupiter Jet go through Diamond. It went through comic shops. Uh, there were a number of places to order it after the fact of the campaign. As far as we know, unless something amazing happens, and you know, please um, cast spells and pray and do all those things for us, that amazing things do happen. Uh, the Kickstarter will be the only place that science is ever going to happen. Interesting, and I uh, I am a uh, fan of what Hope has been doing with her imprint, um, both her and I can't remember the name of it, but the Geek Girls uh, anthology of oh, essays. Loves the Geek Girls, yeah, that's Indeed. a great book. And also her work to uh, revive a lot of uh, old Canadian uh, comic books from World War II, which always fascinated me. And for listeners, you should go back and listen to these episodes. Um, during World War II, American comics were no longer imported to Canada because they were considered a luxury. Yeah, so man. Canadian, yeah, Can, I know. I figured you know the story, but yeah, <laughs> Canadian Canadian publishers stepped up and did all these adventure books and very interesting books that really only lasted during the war. And then once you know the ban was lifted, they went back to importing American comics. So this is like like secret you know history of Canadian comics that Hope has been researching and uncovering and putting out in these great volumes. And uh, yeah, and also I know she worked with uh, John uh, John K. Snyder to bring back. Uh, Fashion, fashion and action. Fashion and action. I love that book. When oh I was man, I have 80s. that. I have the hardcover of that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. No, it's good stuff. So yeah, uh, if people like Danger Girl um, or sort of that lady spy uh, badass thing, uh, Fashion and Action, I think, is criminally overlooked, agreed. and you should definitely go check it out. You know, again, all those great books of the eighties that were part of these small publishers that might have flown under the radar, like the Maze Agency and some of these other things. I know I'm talking about stuff that you know. Before your time, but I'm glad that you were hip to uh, fashion in action. No, I absolutely agree with you. And yeah, people who like Daughters of the Dragon and stuff like that, I think, would uh, find fashion in action a pretty cool book to watch. So it makes me appreciate uh, for all the good and ill the internet age that we live in that we do have platforms like Kickstarter and we have podcasts. And you know, it's a little easier to be an indie creator. I certainly wouldn't say it's easy, but it's easier now than it was back in the day. I understand. And, you know, we didn't talk about this the first time we talked, but you, you've you done some editing at Top Cow, too, right? I was the head editor at Top Cow for... The head editor, shame on me. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Top Cow is also, you know, it's a, it's an imprint, so it's uh, it operates independently of Image. So it's a small, mm-hmm. a smaller, I mean, it's huge compared to my operation, uh, but it's a smaller <laughs> publishing house. So um, when you're the only editor, you're the head editor, so... I got you. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that, that's just the truth. You know, I don't want to make it sound too highfalutin. It, uh, it was an amazing opportunity. Top Cow uh, is what gave me my start in comics. I was one of the winners of their talent hunt in 2013. Uh, I got to write a backup on Mars story, which as a Kyle Rayner fan is just like the most amazing thing. Absolutely. Good guy. Uh, but yeah, I, and I still work uh, as an editor freelance. And I like to think that helps me with my own writing um but it is a little it's different i think it's a splitting of a different your brain you know what i mean mm-hmm. i do so <laughs> i don't know well, if no, I'm but actually, no but you know truly you know mark wade was a was a longtime editor before you know he really got up and running with his uh with his writing as well so no i i do understand what you're talking about um well let's talk about science though so so give me the elevator pitch on science Oh, what if Harry Potter went to Star Trek school but wanted to take it down from the inside and was a nice uh, Indian-American lady? 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's too simple. I'm going right. Uh, it's a it's a it's a run on sentence. There's a lot of commas, maybe a semicolon if I'm feeling very showy. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, the more, the longer you work on something and the longer you, uh, sit around trying to convince people to look at it, trying to get the art done. You're like, I don't even know what it's about anymore. And because you want to talk about all the most interesting things without spoiling anything. So it's, whereas Jupiter jet was an all ages family friendly, this is more of like a middle grade, uh, type story. It's a little, a little edgier, uh, a little more grown up and it stars, uh, 14-year-old Tamsin Trecru, and she is the smartest girl who just got accepted into the best science school, which is called the Prometheus Institute. Uh, the name may or may not be telling as to what's going to happen in the book. You'll have to uh, pre-order it and see. Uh, it's not only a great school in the way that they have really cool teachers, but they have uh, floating robots that kind of look like what if Herbie and Skeets had a baby. They're, uh, they're called STATS, which stands for Science and Technological Assistant Teachers. They all have different numbers. Uh, they're one of my favorite things, so I like to talk about them every time I get an opportunity to talk about science, <laughs> even though um, they're supporting characters. But uh, a suggestion that we got from our publisher and our editor, which is why it's great to work with an editor who's not uh, just yourself, was that we fold in some real science so the stats will actually pop up with stat facts and tell you where the real science comes from. Uh, if listeners go to sciencecomicbook.com, that's where the Kickstarter campaign is, um, you'll see the first seven pages. One of our characters, AJ, is building rocket boots. He doesn't do it well. And stat pops in to let you know how rocket fuel is actually made and what the ratio is. Uh, thanks, NASA, for putting that on your website. So we wanted to be able to teach people about the science behind our fiction because Tamsin has come to this school uh, that her father used to be the headmaster of and it ultimately led to his death and she's trying to puzzle out what exactly happened led by the downloaded consciousness of her father who lives inside her glasses oh that's fantastic (laughs) it's it's cool because he is able to kind of start off her investigation and give her the leg up in a certain thing. But Tamsin also has like a really cute roommate. So she doesn't want her dad poking around in her business. And he's just always there watching everything that's going on. That's a great idea. That's seriously. And it's so funny. I just read a week or two ago. Is it Apple that's uh, doing new glasses now or whatever? Yeah, there, it's very uh, it's very Google Glass inspired. Right, of course. No, and that's the thing. And I almost wondered if, because Google, you know, Google Glasses, you know, I don't even know ultimately what the assessment was, but it seemed like okay, that was you know a moment from a while ago, and it was interesting to read that no Apple, you know, obviously they haven't abandoned it. So yeah, it's a great, you know, it's a great idea, and and you know, in this Iron Man world. It's it's good to have you know a Jarvis AI kind of floating around, and even better when it turns out to be your father. So no, I think that's hilarious. That's a great idea. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully readers think so too. <laughs> Definitely. No, that's great. And also, I'm glad that you're doing something that is, you know, kind of a tweener book that has a little bit of an edge because I think that's what uh, they need. Because you know the books that were accidentally tweener books. When we were growing up and stuff, you know, they, they didn't push. I don't even know if you consider yourself as, you know, when you started reading comics. But I know Kirkman always said uh, that, you know, we didn't need tweener books. Spider-Man was our, the regular Spider-Man book was our tweener book. 
Exactly. It edge to it. And I know that. I mean, God, I, as I always point out, I was nine when Jerry Conway, it was a reprint, but that's the first time I read when Jerry Conway killed Gwen Stacy. And I'm like, wow. And it didn't, it didn't traumatize me, but it really excited me. Like, oh, there's some, like, you know, uh, consequences stakes, in these books. Yeah. yeah, stakes in these books. Absolutely. So. Well, we can great. thank we can thank the 1980s for making comics really adult, um, <laughs> which is something that I'm I'm of two minds about. I do love like Invincible is one of my all time favorite comics. It's one of the more violent things I've ever read, including sure. Blood Meridian. Um, <laughs> and I think you know I think there's a market for that, and I have no problem. I have no problem with any kind of comics. I have no problem with porn comics, um, but I do think that when you are writing for um, or when your target audience, because I always hope that I'm writing for everyone. I think writers do. Um, but when your target audience skews a little younger, I think it's easy to forget what you were like when you were 13 or 14, you know, and the things that you were in and or into, not that you were in. Uh, like I said, I've been up for a very long time. Um, and I, I, I always try to infuse that. And the best part about being a teenager really is all of that first flush of discovery about your adulthood and the story of science really focuses on Tamsin learning how things really work versus how she's been presented with things. We do that in a more fantastical way. Like, uh, uh, the girl she has a crush on Garen. Each student is working to win the Prometheus, uh, Prometheus Institute award for superior science. So they each have these individual projects that they're working on throughout the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Garen discovers a power source that could uh, rip a hole in the fabric of time and space. <laughs> and we learn a little bit more about her personality. And Tamsin is ultimately faced with the decision of helping this girl because she likes her or maybe doing what's right for the school. Very cool. Tell me about your artist. Our artist is Des Pittman. Uh, she's completely amazing. We actually went through, I think she's the fourth artist that we've had on this project. Um, we had a very hard time getting someone to stick around. Um, and stuff happens. And Sure. We were, we were spoiled with Jupiter Jet because we got Ben right off the bat and he was with us through that entire process. Mm-hmm. But we actually met her earlier this year. She's an uh, illustrator and cartoonist out of Portland because we tabled beside her at Wizard World Portland. Um, and she's amazing. And her husband, Jason Pittman, who's also an illustrator, he's really amazing. So we knew that we were all going to collab on something. And science was just what Jason, my Jason, Jason Inman and I were working on mm -hmm. at the time. Um, and it worked with her schedule. So she's come in and really... Uh, picked up the ball that a lot of people dropped in a really big way. And um, she's being very gracious with her time and her rates. So our first stretch goal is going to be to pay her more because she's cool. com completely amazing and completely worth it. And when you get collaborators on any project, but especially on a creative endeavor, who will uh, work hard and understand where you're coming from and sometimes sacrifice for you, like that's invaluable. I can't say enough nice things about her. That's great. Tell me about the Kickstarter in terms of any, you know, special incentive, you know, uh, prizes or things that, you know, people can pledge for and, you know, get cool things. So the main the main reward for us always with comic Kickstarters is to structure it around getting the book like this is truly sure. a pre-order. Mm -hmm. Um and like I said before, because you maybe will never be able to get it anywhere else. So yeah. at the at the twenty five dollar level, you can get the comic 
as it is. Uh, there's a slightly cheaper version where you can get a digital PDF because it's 2018 and digital comics uh, help us not die buried under our own long boxes. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we also do have a retailer and library incentive packages because cool. we would love it, obviously, to be uh, anywhere. But some of the, like the cool non-business type stuff that we're offering, yeah. uh, we have prints that you can get uh, along with a book. One is from Brent Schoonover, who's an amazing Marvel artist. He did Good friend, absolutely. Uh, Go on, yeah, and the nicest Howling, human. Uh, Howling Commandos is one of the books I know. I know he worked on. What, what were some of the other Brent books of Marvel? Uh, Ant-Man, he brought back the Scott Lang series when Marvel yes. decided that he was going to be in the movie, so he got a comic book again. Yes, uh, Nick Spencer's also, Ant-Man, yes. Yeah, my favorite Ant-Man is uh, uh, Scott Lang, so very, very flattered. Um, he just did the Captain Marvel series um, that came out. I want to say it's called Legacy, but I know that that's wrong. Um, and then we have – so you can get either one of those or you can get both of those. Um, the other print, our other main print is from Ryan Sands, who people may know from uh, being the star of the Runaways Marvel show. He plays oh, Jeffrey sure. Wilder. Uh, yes. Very handsome gentleman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's also a Marvel Comics artist. He's just his first cover for Runaways. Uh, issue 12 just came out. Uh, so he's a good friend and we knew we wanted to include him. And he was, uh, again, very generous with his time um, because being on a TV show uh, is a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you can get both of those. You can get each of those. And then because uh, Jason and I came up as fans and look, I've donated to more comic Kickstarters than I think any other kind of Kickstarter. Like I have bought so many books through Kickstarter. We sure. wanted to focus our rewards around helping other people to create because I would love nothing more than for somebody who is a fan of ours to say that, you know, through us or through seeing us that they made their own thing and I will be the first one to donate to their Kickstarter. So we have a lot of script reviews and we have a lot an artist portfolio review. Our art portfolio review is from newly minted Eisner winner, artist of Mr. Miracle, Sheriff of Babylon, Batman, Mitch Gerrids, nice. um, another amazing human uh, he also has a very cute baby, so if you decide to buy that, um, <laughs> ask him for pictures of Wes. I love him. We have script reviews by Cullen Bunn, Shay Fontana, who wrote DC Superhero Girls and Wonder Woman. Sure. Um, but our big, big get is we have a script review by uh, this you know, real fresh, up-and-coming writer, uh, Tom King. Never heard of him. Yeah, he's great, let me tell you. He lives in Washington. Uh, big ideas from that guy. He's going to be a star. <laughs> that's terrific, um, and that's a great incentive, as you say, because I think you're right, and I think a lot of aspiring creators, I don't mean to interrupt you, too. I want you to oh, get please. back to your list if there's more. But, yeah, no, in terms of, you know, this is this is where the Kickstarter community can really help each other in a way that I think some people wish – they got more from the big two, and you've got big two people represented by that list, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that's a really great list. But that's the thing. I think you know this. You're again, you're giving back in a good way, and I do think that smart people are looking to Kickstarter to see. All right, they're doing it. How can I do it? Yeah, so that makes sense. And truly, we bought uh, Greg Pak's book and just copied what he sure. said to do. So that's a great I idea. Yes, indeed. I'm glad you mentioned that. that. <laughs> yeah, he did, and he even did a. I rem he was on Word Balloon talking about how he made this, uh, how to do Kickstarter right book, and certainly again, he, Paul Jenkins, and Jimmy Palmiotti. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Paper like Films is killing it. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, that's yeah, Jimmy's got it down to us. And then at Jimmy, Amanda, and Justin have it down to a science. And the way that they are able to do that is just ridiculous. And, you know, I mean, it's just little stupid things that I remember from conversations with Jimmy, like, hey, you know, the post office is working overtime for you. Treat them right. And he's like, you know, I bought them lunch several times over the years as a thank you. Interesting. Knowing, you know, all the, yeah, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And they're going to take care of stuff and everything. And it's worth it, you know, as an investment because they really are your support staff in an, in an endeavor like this. So, no, good stuff, man. And So continue your list, please. I just wanted to say about Tom, um, he, we only have one Tom review because uh, he's you – know. I'm busy, man. Little, yeah, a little busy. So if people hear this and that's something they're interested in, uh, hop over sidescowboy.com, check that out. Uh, we also the other reward that I think is like the most amazing is we have two different levels where you can get a cameo in the comics. So it's not oh, just great. your name, uh, your likeness will be in there. Uh, <laughs> Des is very well known for her. She does zombified portraits of people, so she's <laughs> excellent at likenesses. Um, you can be either a student or a teacher. I can't remember which one is the higher tier, so I do apologize for that. Um, (laughs) But again, it's just another – like for me, Kickstarter is collaborative, and any opportunity that we have to fold in more people is a lot of fun. Um, And I will encourage people, if they're just going to go and they're going to look at the video and they're going to read – we have the first seven pages um, available. It's kind of our first story beat. Uh, I'm a huge – Trekkie. Uh, John and I have talked Trek here and so many oh, times. We're going to today, Ash. Don't I'm, kid yourself. I'm strapped in. Um, but there's a ton of Trek Easter eggs in this. Uh, so even if you you know, if you don't know me for that or you don't know Redshirt Diaries, um, look out for all of the original series stuff that we're folding in because we really wanted to tell a story that's science fiction but hard grounded in science and a little less fantastical than we went with jupiter jet understood and and you know yeah as soon as you said harry potter school meets you know essentially starfleet academy it's like yeah. all right here we go <laughs> yeah that, you know yeah i mean no and i think you know that is that great kind of combination of dealing with school but also you know with that great kind of star trek or any sort of you know pastiche background of of what a what a futuristic kind of science academy like that could be so i think that's great um talk about red shoe diaries or red shirt diaries oh man uh red shirt diaries is it's like a whole weird portion of my life now because it took so long and um just it it was sort of a defining thing that i did uh was a half-baked idea that i pitched to uh jason inman of a Star Trek parody web series starring the lowest ranked member on Kirk's Enterprise. But from the perspective of a modern watcher where you're giving true reactions to the fact that like Kirk can open any door he wants and no one seems bothered by the fact that he strolls through their quarters. So kind of like (laughs) what it's like to be right around the corner from all of their best adventures we did 31 episodes. We did all the way up to a mock time. Uh, we crowdfunded our second series. I play Ensign Williams, uh, who's the star. Jason Inman plays about 150 other characters, including Sulu's weird plant, whose name is Gertrude. I made that puppet with my bare hands uh, and a lot of hot glue and loofahs. Uh, he plays Kirk. He plays, I think, Spock in one of the episodes. We had a couple people play Spock. 
Um, but most awesomely, he plays Riker because there was no way we weren't going to do that when we came up with a good story idea. For yeah, it. he's born to play Riker, obviously, and that's great. And he, you know, yeah, he always looks like he looks like second season Riker. That's I hope good. I hope when the Picard series picks up that they want to do a flashback and maybe Jason could get in there somewhere. Hilarious. God, that would be great. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I think I've been watching. Uh, you mentioned uh, Scott Manson and everything. I've been watching all the, the videos that have been coming out of the recent Star Trek uh, convention. Oh, yeah, and Scott's and, the king of STLV. Yeah, <laughs> and, and um, watching watching Jonathan Frakes. And I had that thought once we heard about the Picard series. I'm like, oh, I really hope there's like a moment where Admiral Riker or whatever Riker is doing 25 years after Nem- Nemesis pops up. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I want the focus, and I'm sure from a budget standpoint – you know this this whole streaming thing it, it, it's very interesting and obviously there's limitations on how much they can spend and what they can do or whatever God, i don't know they up. spent 8 million an episode on discovery which is a, a wild budget when you consider that doctor who shoots for one and flash shoots for two there you go well that's a good point and all, yeah but also they were spending netflix money as we learned yes uh, yeah with, yeah with discovery and everything um, and also, you you know, you're hearing, and granted, it's Paramount, not CBS. You're hearing them cry poverty when it comes to paying Chris Pine to come back for Star Trek Four. You know what? Um, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about that. Uh, sure, we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, you can make an amazing Kelvinverse movie to sort of, if you want to bow out of that franchise without Hemsworth or Pine, give us Captain Sulu. John Cho is so hot right now. Crazy Rich Asians is on fire. Searching yeah. is a critical success. People have wanted it. It's kind of like Captain Worf. People have wanted it for a long time. They could do it, and I'd watch the heck out of it. <laughs> no, and you're right about that, and I've heard other people opine that maybe it would be interesting to shake things up to suddenly not have Kirk. Yeah. And what what is the crew like without Captain Kirk? Um, no, I think that's – now, I think, unfortunately, you would probably get Captain Spock before we would get – uh, Captain Kirk, but uh, or Captain Sulu. I think you're probably right. But I, but I like that even better. And so this, <laughs> is, this is where, and honestly, I sometimes avoid Collider because there, there, you guys have great behind the scenes information. Sometimes too much behind the scenes information, and I'm like, I just want to watch the movie as is, and I don't want to come in with too many facts about Solo and stuff. But that kind of opinion is exactly why I enjoy talking to you and Jason when I see you guys at conventions. Um. Yeah. I. You know. And obviously, my point was that it'd be great to see Frakes. On, yes. On the Picard show, but but truly, no. It's an interesting. It's an interesting Star Trek time. And I. You know. Of course, as we're recording, uh, Les Moonves had the weekend from hell and is out of CBS. And you know what? I don't feel too so. bad for him. Oh, please. That's <laughs> why I'm saying it. Rightfully so. But as I understand it, in back back circle uh, or background conversations. Uh, and I don't know how true this is, but I keep hearing this, that Les Moonves really didn't get Star Trek and like even confused it with Star Wars at oh, one point. Oh, good. That's so, what you want from your the person in charge of your number one franchise. I mean, arguably, of course, but... No, but exactly. And that's the thing. And I had heard that since the J.J. films, there were initiatives of, hey, we should have a series. We should have an animated series. We should do this. And it was, you know, this guy dragging his heels going, what are you talking about? And not really getting that maybe Star Trek is a, is a good franchise. Now, I know also with Bad Robot and, and J.J. kind of running things that maybe they wanted. And also it was more on the Paramount side. Mm-hmm. Doing things. I mean, the whole ownership of Star Trek was 
in in such disarray. You know, CBS. You know, it all used to be under Viacom, Paramount, and CBS. And when they split it up, uh, unfortunately, Star Trek got divided like Solomon's uh, baby. I heard um, the know. same thing about a uh, Quantum Leap that it's owned by. Uh, it was created by at the time a married couple. They got a divorce. So now every time there's an initiative to bring back Quantum Leap, um, whoever is heading that up, the other one will say no just to screw them. Wow. Now that might be that might be slightly anachronistic. I, I didn't hear it from anyone uh, terribly close to the source, but I was like, what a bummer. I think if we're going to reboot a bunch of old stuff, I think Quantum Leap would be a great one. Totally. Oh, my God. I still watch that all the time on Cozy, one of the digital channels. And Bacula, Bacula's still killing it, so let's yeah. do it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, and I remember there was a thought that, you know, turn it over to Sam's daughter. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. leaping all over the place, which I think is, would have been a great idea. No, absolutely. Okay, we'll take a short break here and tell you a little bit more about our uh, one of our sponsors today, and that's Aftershock Comics. Now, I'm sure you've seen the Aftershock Comics on the racks at your favorite comic book shops. Distinctive covers, great high concepts, really interesting stuff. A whole fresh slew of high-concept stories written and drawn by your favorite creators that uh, are getting a chance to tell a little bit of a different story here at Aftershock. You can enjoy things like the very funny spy series, Jimmy's Bastards, from Garth Ennis and Russ Brown, Pestilence from Frank Thierry and Oleg Okunev, where the 14th century plague, the Black Plague from history, is actually the first recorded zombie apocalypse. Or the very early years of Vlad the Impaler in The Brothers Dracul from our buddy Cullen Bunn and Mirko Kolak. These creators came to Aftershock to tell their kind of stories with no rules. Just a new platform to tell great, fresh concepts. Check out some of these other new titles, too, like the Midwestern Noir Hot Lunch Special from Elliot Rael and Jorge Fornes. The current conspiracy theories with ties from centuries past in Beyonders with our buddy Paul Jenkins and Wesley St. Clair. And a new series starring Leonardo da Vinci, his female apprentice, his female apprentice Isabel, and their wooden robot, Monstro Mechanica, from Paul Aller and Chris Evenweese. The collected trade is already out this month. In the weeks ahead, we'll be talking to more Aftershock creators about their books, but you don't have to wait. You can find full story descriptions, preview pages, and the diamond cones on these books to order them through your local comic shop at AftershockComics.com. In fact, coming up next week, we'll be talking to Adam Glass about his Aftershock book, Lollipop Kids. Really great stuff, and uh, very pleased, and thank you to Aftershock Comics for sponsoring Word Balloon. Uh, but good news, good product. I'm not kidding. Do it. Check it out for yourself, man. Jackpot by Ray Fox, uh, American Monster by Brian Azzarello, some of the great Aftershock comics I've enjoyed in the past. I love Jimmy's Bastards. I look forward to it every month. You will, too, if you start picking up these books. Find out for yourself. Go to AftershockComics.com. And now, back to my conversation with Ashley Robinson on Word Balloon. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting time in Star Trek. What do you think of the trailer for Discovery Second Season? Uh, I think it looks like more of the same, which <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, I'm not particularly enthused about. Um, I've been very vocal about my uh, disappointment with the first season of that show. I will yeah. say um, I love Anson Mount. I think he's a fabulous actor. I think he looks awesome as Pike. Um, he looks a lot. He's got that Hunter-esque kind of jaw. Um, I think he'll be really great. I'm, I worry that 
it's going to turn into the Pike show. However, I don't know if I believe that's a bad thing. Do you know what I mean by that? I like do. I'm I sort do. of tentative about all of it. Um, but I'm I'm not a huge Burnham fan based on last season. So mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be down for seeing them do something. I don't want to see Spock. I'm uh I've, ah. I don't want to see any more Spocks. There were too many Spocks. Like nine <laughs> people have played Spocks. No more Spock. I mean, Spock is like my all-time favorite Star Trek character. He's my favorite cosmic. Like I, I live. I stand Spock hard. Um, I think, especially with the passing of Nimoy, I think he's a character that we can take a break from. And I think there are other wonderful characters from the original series that haven't been given. Um, that type of exploration. You know, we were just talking about a, a potential Captain Solo. I would rather, Sulu movie. I'd rather see other characters taking a chance on than, than going back to the, the well of Kirk and Spock. But um, I'm an idiot and I'm still going to watch the show. Oh, you know. So. I, I shared a cab back to the airport with Mark Guggenheim, the former showrunner of Arrow. Nice man. And a great guy. And he's a huge Star Trek fan as well. And we were talking about Discovery. And he's like, see, up for the second season. And as I always say, and I probably said it to you and Jason as well, they could have Star Trek Klingon latrine cleaning as a cleaning as a TV show. And I'd be like, okay, what night's it on? Yeah, truly. (laughs) We're the idiots, John. It's our fault. Yes, yes. Well, no, but it's good. And that's fine. And, you know, um, as you know, I was, you know, hypercritical of Discovery, you know, really midway through the show where I'm just like, I don't know, man. I miss the smarts. And that's what I like about what you're saying about science mm-hmm. in that, you know, you want it to be a smart comic book as well as an entertaining comic book. And that's something that Star Trek always was. And Discovery just wasn't smart. Yeah. And also the Mirror Universe story was so lame and just bad. And you're too young to remember, but there used to be like shows like Jason of Star Command and uh, some of these other live action Saturday morning shows. And honestly, I really felt like Discovery devolved into that. The the the, the I, I love that Michelle Yeoh was part of the show Me too. for her for as I'm sure you did for her character to to take the turn the Mirror Universe version to take the turns that she did and to survive into uh, likely showing up again. Yeah, you know, in this season or at some point or whatever. It's it, it's just it defies story logic. It's well, let's pin a, put to the, pin a medal on Burnham is the most insane yes. thing I've ever seen. Yeah, what did she exactly accomplish? No, I and it's it's frustrating because on the surface you do want to cheer for the idea of a person of color uh, uh, and also a lieutenant or mm-hmm. a, a you know a non-captain being the point of view character all of that sounded great on paper uh-huh. the execution was horrible and it, it it was always more about story and you know i mean i i know i'm a couple decades older than you and i and i i am disappointed with the retort from some young people of well that's nice dad but this isn't your star trek it's our star trek and I shrug and say, you know, Star Trek used to be for everybody. I, I, as we said earlier, I started watching when I was, you know, five or six years old and, I, and, and was hooked, you know. <laughs> I a thousand percent agree. And I actually have the same issues that you do. Um, I will say most of the people I know that really enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily categorize them as people whose criticisms I agree with, they tend to be the kind of people who like everything. And that must be amazing to be able to live that way because I, I don't, 
Um, and I have little infarctions over fandom things all the time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen more criticism of it than not. So I'm sorry that uh, people were lobbing that at you because that's uh, that's oh, dumb. It's, it, it's but it's also in, it's more in general. You know, it's more in general. Of yeah. Like myself and I know Robert Robert Nett's the one who I see get the most shit about it. And, you know, he's our buddy. And, and, I, and yeah, I love Rob. And Rob, you know, Rob to me is like chess master Trek expert. Oh, yeah. Rob's you know? a great friend. But Rob also will, uh, when someone is poking the bear, he'll swipe back. Totally. Uh, which, again, <laughs> it's a perfectly fine thing to do. I try not to do that. I hear you. Um, but it's, I think Trek is also interesting right now because there are other shows that are have cropped up that void i think that you and i are both alluding to um i don't watch it but people say that about orville i thought lost in space on netflix gave me all of the feels about star trek that i wanted and and wasn't given by discovery that's great to hear because i haven't sat down with lost in space yet and orville as i'm sure you know if you haven't watched it yet it's just more about the fun adventure Mm -hmm. as opposed to the as we all like to quote uh heath ledger why so serious yeah uh i mean there there was just such a lack of fun you know it was great to watch and i don't know if you've have you um i know a couple years ago didn't you guys both go to the vegas trek convention yeah we've been a couple times um we try not to go we just we always wind up going like every other year. Um, That's smart. Sure. I also I'm gonna be honest, and no offense to anyone who loves it, I hate Las Vegas. <laughs> so <laughs> I hate the high desert. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't gamble. So there's very little for me. Um, and I've never bought a hooker. Sorry, I'm sorry, a, a sex worker. That wasn't nice. I I have no problem with anyone who does that. Godspeed. We should unionize it and tax it. Um, So for me, there's very little. uh, I go to Vegas to eat, really. Uh, (laughs) Well, there are good restaurants, so you got that going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just not my jam. So when I think about going for SCLV, I'm like, my goal, my goal the next time I go is I've never met um, Alexander Sadig, who plays my space boyfriend, Dr. Bashir. Bashir. So that's my goal. The next one he appears at, I'll be there. Oh, that's a great idea. Good for you. I don't I don't blame you. I've been watching the videos of the panels. Yeah. And they're great. And they're funny and they're they're always fun. And um, you know, yeah, I I, I don't remember my original point, but regardless, Sorry. it's okay. No, not at all. <laughs> Ash, it's all good. Seriously, you know that. Uh no, it's it's fun and I um I am encouraged by Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Uh, Rain Wilson, who, by the way, I went to high school with, and we were in plays together. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm two years older than him, but or a year older. But, uh, yeah, and I literally have not seen him since high school. So I, I don't believe he would necessarily remember me. But got to get him on I, the show, man. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, I was, you know, I was a supporting actor in Cyrano, and he played Chris Jan. He played of the pretty boy. Of course he did. And Jim, Jim True Frost who's another great friend of mine from high school, he was Cyrano. And I don't know if you know Jim. Jim was in Treme. He was in The Wire. Uh, he's, he's a great – he was in Affliction with um, Nick Nolte and uh, uh-huh. James Colburn. He's in uh, Singles. He's, he's one, of the, one of the couples in Singles, the not Cameron Crowe and not Matt Damon couple. <laughs> Richard Fada, you know, the third – I want to say – was Kira Sedgwick – I can't remember who his girlfriend was in it, but great guy. He's in Hudsucker Proxy. So Love um, Hudsucker Proxy. But Rain, of course, his panel at Vegas was great because he kind of got in, if not uh, complaints about Discovery, just contrarian points of view on Discovery of, 
yeah, I wish they did more of this, and I really didn't like that they did that. And uh, it was very, very interesting. And I really don't like that they made – I personally don't like that they made Harry Mudd into this psychopath. But, again, it's like if, – if it was its own thing, as we keep saying, if it was a different, you know, alternate universe, which, honestly, it'll be very interesting how things are treated as we move forward. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I Obviously, you know, they're going to do the second season. Maybe they move on to something else after uh, Discovery second season, depending, obviously, on how it does, given how expensive it is, and the reaction to just, look, I'm Jean-Luc Picard, I'm back. You know, and everyone's like, yay! You well, know, uh, <laughs> Alex Kurtzman also just keeps rolling out announcements about shows. Yep. Um, like the Starfleet Academy show that I think has been in development as long as I've been alive. <laughs> is. <Right>. Um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently finally gonna happen i actually think it's a great idea for the show and i oh, think God, if you yes. want a show that you can chalk full of cameos i think starfleet academy yes. is the place to put that because you can take all these actors um and truly you can do it right now it doesn't matter how much they've aged how much they've changed whatever they could all appear as guest lecturers or as teachers yep. or like how cool would it be to see like i don't know uh, it's not possible based on the story i don't think but like odo show back up or oh, God, yes you know, uh, anybody, also, I'd love anybody. to be on that show. So please make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. And I was really hoping at the end of Deep Space Nine when Colmini is O'Brien was saying, oh, I'm going back to teach at the Academy. I like, oh, God, love this that. has to happen, man. Come on. And and no, you're 100 percent right. And it's a great solution. And but, you know, you read these behind the things scenes things about the producers and it's almost like. They want to do everything they can to avoid fan service. Up until, uh, I would say, um, the second J.J. movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, ob- and obviously, we did finally have moments in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine that acknowledged the other franchises and stuff. And, of course, the crossover episodes. But really, they're, they're even, you know, again, it just seems like, no, 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 we're our own thing. We don't want to get too, you know... Uh, you know, as as far as acknowledging the other shows and the history, and God, you know, you hear that Michael Dorn, and it's like, oh, we'd like you to be a Discovery, but we're going to pay you nothing. And yeah, like, yeah. You. I'm not going to do that. You know, I mean, and it's just dumb. It's just, and it'll be interesting to see what Marina Sirtis is going to be doing in the second season mm-hmm. of Discovery. Uh, and, we'll and, see. And I was going to say, fan service is a difficult thing. Um, sure. I think it's a tightrope, and I think. Some people really pull it off and some people don't. I think the after the second season of Sherlock, it got really fan servicey. I think to the detriment of the yes. quality of that. Like it's the certainly first, in the fourth season. Yes, yeah, the first two seasons of that show, in my opinion, are a near perfect show. Agreed. And then they did all that weird Moriarty stuff and it just got messier and messier. Um, I personally think the Star Wars franchise is very messy on its fan service. Um, and I think it's in actually a similar place to Star Trek. Obviously, the the, the fiscal difference is astronomical, yes. but um, I think they're both looking too far to the past. And in my opinion, and for my dollar, I want to see both of them reaching more to the future and breaking new ground. Agreed. Um, a Picard series is not going to give us that, but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> well, and also, as I'm sure you felt as well, when Stuart was talking about it, and also the fact that Michael Shabon's involved. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Stuart is going to settle for a shitty series. And, and he, he has ultimately... enough clout now to, to say something about it. Exactly. And I think, God, if, you know, and, and also I want to hear your opinion of Kurtzman as the Kevin Feige of Trek, because I got to be honest, coming from the J.J. world, 
that still concerns me. The only person from the JJ world that I think really gets it is Mike Johnson, who's been writing the IDW comics. I agree. Those are great books. Um, I like the Kelvin universe, the JJ verse, I think a little more than you do. Okay. Um, but I don't know if I necessarily think because they made movies that were good or if uh, we don't want to say good than, than financially successful. I don't necessarily think that translates to television. I know that TV is enjoying this golden age and we are seeing more crossover with television and film. But I think at a development and at a writing standpoint, I think they're different. And I, I don't necessarily think that should be crossover um, personally. Uh Kurtzman, as someone who wants to work on some shows that he's in charge of or will potentially be in charge of, um, I admire that he's going in there with a lot of gusto. He would not have been my first choice. Um, and based on what I saw in Discovery, I hope he's learning and evolving. Um, I think Agreed. I think there's potential for everyone to be great. Um, I haven't seen greatness so far, but I've seen flashes of brilliance. So... I guess I remain cautiously optimistic, but if this is a, if this is a, what do you get a, a, what it's a performance review, uh, I'd probably give him like a C. I agree. No, absolutely. (laughs) Well, and again, uh, that's the thing. And I would say that about Discovery as well. I'd give it a C really looking back. And, and that's disappointing because there is a, there is a history to build on just like Star Wars. I have a feeling I like Solo a little bit better than, than you guys did. I, uh, Hated Solo. Okay, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I gave a really mean, uh, disrespectful review of it, which I slightly regret now. Um, But for me, just uh, to put a little button on it, for me, um, Star Wars is the Jedi. And it seems like the people making Star Wars right now think it's Solo and the Millennium Falcon. So that's just a difference of opinion. Okay. You know, Uh, and it's a difference in perspective. That's all. But I, John, I want to ask you because I don't know if I've ever heard oh, you say this, and I'm curious: what's something you really liked about Discovery? That is a very good question. Because um, I know you're not a cold-hearted monster; you have to have liked something. Oh, absolutely! No, and, and truly, <laughs> to give it a C, you're right about that. Um, I thought Anthony Rapp's character was great. I, however, and again, unfortunately, there's always going to be uh, a but or a however. Yeah. I felt that that his uh, partner's character was horribly unserviced and and was just there to die and also defied story logic as uh god i can't even remember his name the 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 sleeper klingon uh oh uh, uh well his ash, name is ash, ash tyler. tyler uh yeah. Volk, as tyler i guess was his fa- name yeah as tyler was falling apart i don't remember what his klingon name was but as tyler's like you know apoplectic about i gotta go i gotta go on this away mission but i don't know if i'll be checked out well it's okay i'll, I'll check you out everything's fine and it's like dude the man's having a heart attack in front of you and you're a goddamn doctor let's wise up but i did like rap fine um i did think jason isaacs was great he is great, until yeah. until he got creepy uh as his better universe version. yeah <laughs> and i am kind of interested to see if his uh regular universe counterpart is alive and can come back and be a strong captain that might be interesting um i completely agree with you about burnham um let's see i you know saru i was kind of indifferent i love doug jones and i think he's an incredible actor mm-hmm. and always brings amazing physicality and great ideas in everything he does but again, I think the writing underserved, underserved the character and, his, and just his choices as a character were too pat. And that's interesting given that he was such a unique alien. 
Um, I was disappointed that they didn't just make him the captain at the sure. end of the first season. Like to, I really felt at a certain point, like I knew that that's what they were building toward. Um, and having figure, I, th- I think along with everyone else in the audience, having figured out the Ash Tyler reveal five seconds after it started, um, I kind of thought I had my a better understanding maybe of where it was going to go. And I was surprised because we've also never had an alien captain. Like that would have been point. really cool. Sure. No. And you're right. And again, it kind of flies into what I always say frustrates me in general about everyone that works with Star Trek. And it's that general uh, stroking of the chin of the aliens. Ah, these humans. Yeah. What they bring to the universe's equation. Perhaps we can learn from them. And what I was really hoping for with Enterprise was, hey, fuck you, humans. This is a big universe. You got it a little bit in the pilot when um, – the alien mother is trying to wean her baby off of the respirator. Yeah. And Trip is like, hey, quit bothering the kid. And, you know, uh, Jolene Blaylock, uh, you know, says, uh, Topal says, you know, hey, everything doesn't work the way it works on Earth. You got a lot to learn. Just relax. Have you been and watching the uh, the Enterprise Blu-rays? No. Tell me what's what's good about them. Uh, they <laughs> have uh, they finally got everyone together in a room to do interviews. Okay. Um, and to tell, like, Jolene is there, and, you know, she's like a notorious holdout. Um, and what's interesting. Oh, interesting. Go yeah, on, yeah. They're actually, I, th- I think of them as kind of sad. And I think it's because so much time has passed since the show was on that people are able to speak candidly. Um, okay. And they're able to air their grievances with people in production, and, like, no one's going to get too upset about it or anything like sure. that. So, like, there are, like, some very sad beats. Um, and then you can tell how frustrated they were by how they were treated by uh, UPN and, and things like that. Um, yeah. But it's really interesting how candid um, people are. And it's fun to see the crew together because they do seem like they enjoy each other. Uh, and I liked enterprise a lot. So it kind of made me, yeah, me it too. makes me like, Oh, I wish we could have seen more with these people. Well, and certainly they got, I mean, I, I won't deny the Zindi war, wasn't everything it could have been for me but i do find myself re-watching all four seasons i really love the fourth season i mm-hmm. love the idea of mini movies and i really think that uh manny Cotto was like a great shot in the arm and it's a shame that upn was as screwed up as it was and they didn't give them the chance to to keep going i've heard i don't know if you know i don't think they're online anymore chase masterson had a streaming interview show for a while around 2005 or 2006 i didn't Definitely know that do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, this was amazing. And it was literally as uh, Enterprise was being canceled because she had Brandon Bragg on one of her episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and they took live questions. And the, the fans were tough. And it was rightfully so. And they were tough about that final episode being a Riker episode and not being an Enterprise episode. Yeah. And he, and he was very uh, understanding and apologetic. And like, you know, we thought we were doing a nice tribute to the whole franchise. But I see what you're saying. And, yeah, it was it was interesting. So, no, I really do want to see these uh, Blu-ray interviews because, yeah, and also Killing Trip. It's like, oh, what are you doing, man? And thank God, of course, in the books, just like Shatner, uh, Shatner's Trek books and stuff. Oh, we'll find a way to bring Kirk back. We'll find a way to bring Trip back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that thing, too, where everybody, everybody in the show speaks very ill of um... – of that finale, which I think is is rightfully earned, but yeah. it's that thing where the, uh, it looks like production or someone someone I say production I probably mean an executive somebody said 
oh, but what if we do this thing? Uh, because that's what the kids will like, having spent no time with the show or looking at the audience or anything about it. Yeah, good call. No, a network. Yeah, it does sound like a network note for a final episode. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. And it's interesting to watch Rick Berman. I've watched a lot of post Trek interviews with him. And I don't know. I keep going back and forth because. Uh, and also reading. Have you been reading those Mark Altman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, co written books. These are the They're voyages, amazing. yeah. Yeah, and I got I I want to read the Buffy ones, and then he's I know he did one on Galactica too. So yeah, Jason's I, reading that right now. You know, again, Guggenheim, good friends of uh, good friends with Altman, apparently. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, it came up again. We spent <laughs> we spent this like hour and fifteen minutes driving to the airport, and we were talking about Star Trek and Wise Guy for, and of course Arrow and what's coming up and everything. But uh, as far as just the general things that they've already released the information on, because Art Baltazar, as you know. Uh, huge. He's like, how come uh, you guys aren't using Superman in the crossover episodes, sir? <laughs> and, uh, it was like, hold on like, to your butts. <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, well, I, and at the time it was official yet. He's like, yeah. I can't confirm or deny, but I have a feeling you're going to like this year's crossover. Uh, so. Also love Art. He gave us a really beautiful <laughs> variant for Jupiter Jet and is yes. just like, I love everything he does. He's doing uh, the comic Lord's work. What a guy. Agreed. No, <laughs> no, such energy in his work, in his artwork. Uh, and yeah, no, Art's, Artie's a genius, absolutely, and I have the pleasure of co-hosting with him all the time on yeah. a, one of our podcasts and everything. Now he's a funny guy, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens uh, with Star Trek's future. But again, with Moonves out of the way, I really do think that um, these guys will be smart. I'm, I'm, what do you think? Uh, what have you guys been hearing about the uh, Twilight Zone reboot? Oh, I don't know anything about that other than uh, that's a Jordan Peele joint now. That's right. Which yep. Uh, yep. I think is amazing. I can't believe that Jordan Peele and Donald Glover are the two dudes who evolved into like they went through this metamorphosis into these amazing <laughs> artists with these like with such important voices creating such interesting pro like they're tr I think they're truly artists and I'm like yeah. like if you would ask me a decade ago I would have been like the comedians which is not to take away from. <laughs> From comedy, comedy and it's important. Um, people should watch Nanette on Netflix if they haven't. Um, but you know, like you, people build these personas, and then to watch them sort of transcend that is fascinating. Um, so yeah. the only thing I know about Twilight Zone is uh, I'm super fucking in on it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, absolutely. A long time. Even the '80s uh, series, I I will say there are certain episodes that were worth watching. Uh, I don't know about the UPN one. I'm gonna. I would have to rewatch that to kind of assess it. I'm talking to Marty Pasco later this week. Oh, nice. He worked on the, worked on the '80s uh, Twilight Zone TV show. Uh, is so. the that's the one where they remade uh, Shatner's episode, right? No, that was the movie. Oh, that's okay. If, you know, I don't know if they ever did it on television, but I know in the movie they did Lithgow. Lithgow did the Shatner. So good. Oh, it's fantastic. No, the movie's great. The movie is terrific. Um, and it's interesting. I always love those movies where they're vignettes done by different directors. I love New York stories for the same reason. Mm -hmm. um, Are you a coffee you know, and cigarettes fan? Absolutely. Good Lord. J Jeremush always has me at hello. I've loved that guy for decades. No, he's amazing. And he really is the second coming of Lee Marvin. Mm -hmm. He's like oh, a Lee Marvin filmmaker. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. What I really want uh, to know, though, is when they're going to remake In the Night Gallery, because they did cooler things there. <laughs> Less iconic, but I think cooler. 
Well, again, hit and miss because there's True. a lot of Truly. shitty night. A lot of shitty night galleries, frankly. But, uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of great ones. No, Cold Storage, I think, is a classic. Um, and it's sad because it's – I don't know if they can restore the masters because it's so obvious when you do see them in reruns that they're faded and kind of washed out looking. And uh, sometimes it works, actually. Um, I, I don't know how you are with Stand, Stand Against Evil, uh, Dana Gould's uh, show on IFC. I haven't seen it yet. It's great. And what I love about it is – he uses uh, lenses and uh, the color scheme of the show to make it look like a 70s washed out Argento kind of movie. Well, now I have to go watch it, don't I? <laughs> it's, it's really it's it's smart and funny. And his his elevator pitch is what if my dad were Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Because oh, uh, I John, love that elevator pitch. <laughs> John McGinley is the is Stan. And he's just this like frustrated sheriff that's in this weird town with all these crazy monsters and demons and stuff. And his attitude is like, "All right, fine," you know, and just like you know, gets up and has to do business. And it's funny. No, it's a it's a it's a cool show. I, I haven't read it yet. I also want to read Dana's adaptation of Rod Serling's uh, Planet of the Apes original screenplay. Uh, I did that? Did I, that for Boom? Yeah, I read that. It's awesome. Oh, excellent. It's really great. Um, also, it's a. I think it's a good one to buy because they made a really nice hardcover of it. Mm-hmm. So if you were, you know, if you're gonna go and get another thing to put on your shelf, it it looks very nice. That's good, and I and I know he's been doing signings around L.A. and stuff. So oh yeah, well, that's good to hear. Definitely. All right, back to Trek. What else do we know? What else? What else? Uh... <laughs> do we know? Uh, right. I can tell you a lot about the parody Cardassian accounts that are running political jokes all over Twitter right now. <laughs> Because, you know, um, I'm not going to get too much into it. I'm not going to, like, get down anyone's views about it. But uh, the New York Times piece, I am the resistance in the inside yes. the White House. Uh, yes, somebody redid that, uh, you know, like a mock-up front page. But it was Gul Dukat. And it was like, I am the resistance within the Dominion. <laughs> which is maybe my favorite joke of the last, I don't know, several months. That's excellent. <laughs> and it fits him. Can't you see what I'm trying to do here? Exactly. Well, <laughs> Waltz, one of the best Deep Space Nine episodes when they're on that planet and uh, Ducat's voice is in his head is represented by the cast just talking in his ear so as good. Cisco's watching him go crazy. I love that episode. That's excellent. What do you think, uh, Deep Space Nine uh, documentary? I'm psyched for that, certainly. Is it ever going to come out, though? I hear you. No, I understand. <laughs> um, I'll tell you this. Uh, also, to unintentionally bring it back to crowdfunding. Um, Please. You know... I did. Do- I donated to uh, Search for Spock. We were supposed to get it early. We got it three hours before the wide release, um, and that was one of the main reasons oh, was why. That, was that Adam Nimoy's uh, movie about his dad? Yes. Go on. Uh, which was one of the main reasons why I didn't donate to the Deep Space Nine documentary because I, the main part of the reward is that you get the thing and you get it early. But last time we didn't, um, which is the tricky thing about crowdfunding is. Um, you know, you can do your timeline can shift. Things can come later. Most of the people are very understanding with Jupiter Jet. Uh, we were a little at the mercy of our publisher and their schedule. So the book wound up coming uh, two months later than we had originally uh, estimated. Um, but everyone still got their rewards when they were supposed to pertinent to the sort of larger timetable of publishing. Um, and, and, and I found that to be a very important facet for us is... Um, filling rewards or doing what you say you're going to do in as close to a timely manner as possible. Agreed. You know, I'm going to watch the deep space nine documentary. Um, I think 
like the Enterprise stuff that just came out, it's time that we had this sort of treatment for some of the later series because we've done TOS and TNG to death. And it's not that they're not iconic. It's not that they don't deserve it. um, But they're not the only shows. And Deep Space Nine is my favorite. So um, Mine too. Mine too. I'm just waiting for whenever it finally drops because I think it's a year late at this point. Yes. And I don't don't know about their production. I'm sure they have legitimate reasons for that happening. Um, You know, baby Spock and Dax got married, which I'm sure complicated things. But <laughs> that's true. They did. I'm actually. I secretly believe it's not a really a secret, but the that's the main reason that that documentary happened is because of their relationship, uh, which is a, truly as good a reason as any. So, like, well done, Terry Farrell. Thank you so much. Uh, but I'm just, for me personally, I'm just holding out to buy it when it actually hits stands because yeah, I'm really too. looking forward to it. I agree. No, I agree with all that. And yes, Deep Space Nine is my favorite uh, of the all the shows as well. And um, I think holds up the most, and it's funny. We're ironic, I should say. We're recording on nine eleven. Yes. And I remember, and I don't know if you do. They yanked uh, Deep Space Nine for a few months from uh, TV because of it having a terrorist background. Yeah, sympathetic, that was... to, sympathetic to sympathetic to a terrorist movement, and you know, because the yeah, world is complicated, guys. Exactly. No, agreed. <laughs> well, and again, I think I think DS nine hit the biggest. Uh, issues of any of the shows, and and taking nothing away from the original series or Next Gen, or no, which which shows. absolutely laid the groundwork that allowed them to do it. I agree with that as well, and I just yeah, I think I just think DS Nine was just a much more interesting and dark show, and it, I remember Majel Roddenberry not being as much of a fan of that one, yeah, and saying, well, it doesn't represent Gene's view of an idyllic world, but I almost think she was just mad she wasn't on it that much. No, not really. I mean, probably she was. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, I think I think sometimes, um, at, just like with with Star Wars, sometimes maybe you do need other creative people in the room to push the the ideas forward. Um, and again, w- hit and miss, obviously, in the, in the case of Star Wars. But um, like I said, I liked I did like Solo better. I, I will say for Solo, I didn't talk much about it. Um, yeah, on the show yet. Um, I get. I totally get what you're saying about the Jedi's, but also. I have to say, especially with uh, the Dark Horse comics mm-hmm. of that 20-year period, I liked the idea of learning about other characters in the Resistance or whatever, and you'd get these interesting side stories of non-Jedi characters. And granted, Solo obviously isn't that. Yeah. And it definitely has its flaws, but I do think – I don't know. I thought it was entertaining. I liked I liked um, Woody Harrelson's character. I, I totally had a crush on uh, – on Solo's love interest, I thought uh, I don't know. I you know I have, and I haven't had a movie crush in a really long time. <laughs> but I'm like I don't know what it is about this character and woman. But my God, she's got my attention. That's amazing. I gotta watch Game of so, Thrones. She's super naked in it. Wow, good good call. Thanks, Ash. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm here for you, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't want to come off like Jeb Bush. Pervert over Supergirl or anything like that. Oh, but it really was that kind please. of teenage. But it really—I swear to you—it was more like a teenage crush of. Oh, just <laughs> don't like, say. What did he say? And she's kind of hot. But he said he wanted to give her a wet kiss on the mouth. Like, oh my god, I didn't see that. Oh yeah, it got wondering. really like it got super weird. Which is Ew. like, it sort of becomes. It kind of, it's funny. It crosses this line where you're like, well, we're all adults, so it's all fine. 
but it's your phrasing i think is what really matters yeah well that's and that's why honestly it really was more <laughs> of just like kind of that oh, the same way i felt about christy mcnichol when i first saw her in oh that's so cute <laughs> <laughs> Showing my age and exactly that's what it was. It was that kind of teenage crush, I'm telling you. Buddy on family. So anyway, very funny. Star Wars. Yeah, I liked it. I liked the adventure. I, I liked the adventure and I thought Ron Howard made a, you know, it was, it was, I thought it was fine. But I guess at the end of the day, Star Trek is more important to me than Star Wars. And I hope when I complain that I'm not coming off like some of the haters because – that just got ridiculous. And also, I know that there are probably Star Trek haters out there, too. And that's the thing. It's like, no, I'm not a hater. I'm rooting for these characters, and I'm rooting for this idea. Mm-hmm. But make it smarter. And I completely agree with you with Burnham. And I'm sorry. Uh, we'll see what they do in the second season. I'm yet, I yet to see why she had to be – I would be fine if she was raised as a Vulcan, but to be Spock's sister. Right. And really, again, we talked about this the first time we talked. I really hate what they did with Sarek. I absolutely hate what they did. And do we really need another secret sibling? We already did that with Spock, and it was shit. Right. Right. Well, and and that's another thought that occurred to me since Discovery aired. It's like, hey, you want to impress me? And now, okay, we got this whole big family. Fine. Bring Cybok back, too. Yeah. And let's have a flashback scene where it's Cybok and Spock and and, uh, Burnham all together. And what a great opportunity you would have had to redeem uh, a character who's pretty universally hated. (laughs) <laughs> in the fandom like can you imagine yeah. if they had done that and cyborg was great yeah well it's an opportunity it's totally there's one movie and i never blame lawrence luckenbill because again he can only no. do the lines he was given no and Lucy, i never you know. blame whether or not i like the actor or not i never blame the actor because their job exactly. is like 90 percent to show up and be a parrot yes. so you know and even even when we are talking about discovery and we are talking about burnham like I don't blame Sonequa Martin-Green. I think not. much more of it lies with development and writers. And I'm not even blaming those guys because ultimately it's people doing a job. Um, and I, I do hope, like you said, when we speak about stuff like this, like we're just talking about our tastes. They're just our opinions. We don't hate anyone involved. And if no. you love a thing that we don't love, awesome. awesome. Yeah. Aw- I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. No, agreed. And, and yeah, that's the other thing is, yeah, we don't, I don't want to shit on anyone's good time by my dislike of something absolutely not so yeah uh geek history lesson what's been going on with you guys on that oh man that's our podcast um we just this week is best single issue best comic book single issues of all time because that's a topic that um people are always like what's issue that's so hard because sure. it's so easy to be like, oh, well, Hush is a great Batman story, and it's great because you don't need to know anything else about it, so you can pick that up. It's really hard to be like, yeah, Fables 9 is really good, but only if you've been <laughs> reading it up to that point, because otherwise it's like spoiler territory. Uh, so, I can't, go I ahead. can't title check, I was going to say, because I'd give you mine real fast. I can't title check the okay. issue number, but I know it was a detective issue, and it was Paul Dini and Don Kramer, and the whole story was uh, Rob, uh, Tim Drake is tied up. With the Joker in oh, an RV, oh, or it was the Batmobile. That's so good. Um, I could find it really quick. Uh, fun fact, if you go back to the first year, the first like 52 episodes of Geek History Lesson, Jason and I did a dramatic reading of that for oh, that's awesome. our holiday episode. It's called Christmas with the Joker. Yes. Uh, so good. And I've had the chance to tell both Deanie and Kramer how much I love that issue. Because, yeah, that's I completely agree. It's a lost art to do. And I got another one for you. Uh, Severance package 
from Tangled Web, which was a Spider-Man anthology book from the early 2000s. And unfortunately, I don't remember the artist, but Greg Rucker wrote it, and it was all about a kingpin uh, lieutenant that fails and the consequences of it. And it's it's great. It's just like, you know, totally a great kingpin issue. You you feel for this character, and again, in 22 or 24 pages, amazing story. Detective Comics 826. That a girl. <laughs> I just fantastic. really like that reading. story. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. And again, it is. It's just a smart idea. You know, again, Dini. I mean, I, I love everything. I like Justice League action. I'm very disappointed. So do I. Really disappointed it got buried on Cartoon Network. And I encourage anyone who loves good superhero cartoons to pick up the, you know, pick up the DVDs. You can buy it on Amazon. That's where I got it. There you go. Yeah, it's excellent. It's it was excellent, and I'm very disappointed that, like I said, I mean, good lord, I mean, I don't know what time it was running on LA time, but it was running like from six to six fifteen in the morning, here in uh, Central Time. Yeah, it was something <laughs> insane like that. I don't know anyone who watched it live. Now, granted, uh, you know, the target market for that is tiny humans, and I don't know yeah, a lot of tiny that. humans. Um, yeah. But I mean, just watch it for the way they do Constantine alone is so funny. The Booster It's great. Yeah, Patton Oswalt hey, killing it. Yep, I, and I grew up on re, uh, reprints of Space Cabby stuff in like 100-page spectaculars. Last character I expected to see on that thing. And I don't know and if uh, if they meant to go as fourth world as they did, but there's a lot of great fourth world stuff. Yep, absolutely. No, and, and truly lived up to its name. Nine-minute animated show that was action-packed and a lot of story in nine minutes. And I that was my concern when I talked to Dini, and I'm like, you know, like, Nine minutes, is that enough? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, for Paul Dini, of course it is. A guy that, you know, spent decades or, or years doing the other Justice League cartoon that was so great and other and amazing other cartoons as well. Yeah, no, Dini and his guys, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, if you ever want to copy someone's storytelling style, the use of word balloons, like Paul Dini is up there. I agree. No, Absolutely. Very much so. Very cool. So Geek History Lesson, your at Collider and everything. Oh, yes. Obviously, you know. So uh, what else is we, you know, I'll, I'll let you go, Ash, because uh, we, I think we've been doing good here. But uh, this might be a good, because I'm, I'm, I don't know. Have you, have you had any other questions of me? I'm happy to answer anything you got. But Ooh. that's not your responsibility. And I know also you're burnt out and tired. I know. I just, um, <laughs> we just got a cat and he doesn't sleep Aww. through the night. So it's like having a baby. As it turns out. <laughs> What's your cat's name? His name is Brago, uh, which is the name of Aragorn's horse. And uh, I am obsessed with the Lord of the Rings and have a very indulgent husband. So <laughs> when I said that that was his name, nobody told me it couldn't be. So take that, Mom. I finally got <laughs> my way. <laughs> my sister got our family dog. And I certainly was like, crypto, crypto, come on. Crypto. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they're like, no, whiskers. So I'm like, all right. Then. Whiskers. That's not a dog well, but, you name. Know, I called him, he was fast and I called him Whisk. Oh, that's cute. And, and, whisk, and whisk really stuck with everybody. So I'm like, all right, that works. Whisk is fine. Yeah, a lot of people so. um, are, are criticizing us for not calling him Streaky because he's an orange cat. Uh. <laughs> but Streaky's a girl, guys. So calm down. Hilarious. Yes. Um, I want to know immediately when you've watched Lost in Space. Okay, bud. No, I will. Oh, and uh, real fa- let's see, uh, other comics right now. What do you think of Doomsday Clock? I think I'm not reading it. 
Interesting. Uh, How about Jason? Because I know Jason got even to read that first issue and stuff. Yes. I think he's enjoying it when it comes out sporadically. Um, I'll say something that's going to get me some tweets. Um, I don't care for Watchmen. Wow. I appreciate it as uh, uh, what it did for the medium. I do think it is incredibly important. I think it deserves to be read, uh, but I don't like it. So interesting. You know, I'm I am intrigued with Lindelof's HBO show. Oh, I'll watch it. We know, and also really impressed that Dave Gibbons uh, went on as much as he did in terms of how much he likes the ideas he's seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, and I love Dave. Dave's Dave's incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing but respect and appreciation for everything he does. I don't think but, he gets uh, enough accolades for how incredible he is and how much he's contributed to the medium i would agree with that and i and also he and walter simonson are literally the two nicest men in comics for, for their positions in comics and stuff and incredibly accessible and and yeah just generous with their time and their and happy to tell you you know give you time and appreciate the fans as much as they do uh, no, I love Dave, and it's been a while since he's been on it. Now, every time I hear – I saw him last year at San Diego. Don't I tell him I don't like Watchmen. Oh, don't worry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he can handle it. It's all right. Uh, I think he might find it a relief that, oh, thank God I don't have to talk about Watchmen. To the point where truly when I have him on, I try – you know, we've we've done the obligatory Watchmen's talk. And actually it was always – As one must, was, yeah. Yeah, well, and also when he was releasing, I'm looking at my uh, – bookcase right now when he released his art book about mm-hmm. Watchmen. So I felt like, all right, we can talk about Watchmen on this case. But And also I got him to talk about a very little about before Watchmen. And really all he would say was a very long explanation of why all he had to say was no comment. Yeah. But, but you know, but again, it's like with, the, with him, you know, he's going to die and God forbid, you know, when the time comes and the obituary is going to lead with, yeah, he co-created Watchmen. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, that's not a bad thing, man. I mean, that has to get you meetings and and get you to meet interesting people if you want to do something with, you know, some sort of media entity that they're going to talk, take a call from you because you're Dave Gibbons, man. You're the guy who co-created Watchmen. I would imagine so. Um, <laughs> and he agreed. I'll he tell you a funny thing about Damon Lindelof before uh, we ring, yeah, ring off. He lives um, very close to where I live, so we see him at the cinema a lot or uh, cool. at the comic book store. And cool. I heard an interview with him. I think he's really brilliant um, where he said that he doesn't hire people who tell him how much they like his work because he wants people to work with him who hate him as much as he hates himself, uh, which is a very <laughs> silly self-deprecating thing to do. And I do like a lot of his work, but if I ever get the opportunity to work with him, I'm going to go into the room and be like, man, lost with some real shit, right? <laughs> and hopefully that'll get me hired. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Loeb and Jesse Alexander have told me, candid, uh, here's what we got right, here's what we got wrong with Lost. And Jesse went further with Alias, which I always uh, really appreciated as well. I actually think Lost, um, kind of like Watchmen, I do think it's a very important show. I think it changed television's landscape. But when people Absolutely. say it's the first show to do serialized storytelling, I get real mad and I tell them about Deep Space Nine. Well, and I'll be honest, I'll go a decade earlier and tell you Wise Guy. Oh, sure. Steve Cannell. And and truly, I mean, they would only spend half a season on a on a single story, but yeah, I mean, no, I I, I agree with you, and you know, it's just like who did the first graphic novel? Yeah, and you know, it's like ah, uh, here's something that came from the '40s that nobody talks about, you know, and shit like that. So no, I uh, I agree with you. All right, Ash, one more time because we want to direct people 
uh, to support science. That's right. And uh, so, 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 where can they go for the Kickstarter? You can find science in all of its sciency glory at sciencecomicbook.com. Uh, we have a ton of cool rewards. Uh, if you can't afford to donate a lot, a dollar makes a huge difference. More Kickstarters are funded on $1 donations than anything else. And if that is outside of your purview, I understand. I have been there so many times. Sure. Uh, if you would consider sharing the link, I would be incredibly, incredibly grateful if people would consider doing that as well. Sciencethecomicbook.com. Science comic book. Pardon me, sciencecomicbook.com. Yes. Thank you. Excellent. Ash, always a pleasure. Please come back sooner than uh, the period since our last talk. And uh, give my best to Jason. And, uh, yeah, anytime you guys want to come on, you know you're always welcome. Thank you so much, John. That's Ashley Robinson. Help her and Jason Inman out with their wonderful book, Science. It's a Kickstarter campaign that is still active. And uh, we've got a link at wordballoon.com for you to go to the Kickstarter page or go to Kickstarter and look up Ashley Robinson and Science. And uh, it will take you to their Kickstarter page. Looks fantastic. Uh, I trust their writing uh, through their wonderful book, Jupiter Jet. And uh, this is a high concept that looks fantastic. And I think it deserves your attention and your support. I hope you enjoyed today's Word Balloon. It was brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, thank you, League, for your support. If you'd like to help out the cause, subscribe to Word Balloon. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash wordballoon. Or you can go to wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad there. I hope you think Word Balloon is worth uh, the price of a comic book a month or even just a dollar a month to help subscribe. Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you want to help me out and help out the cause, a great help would be by subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Word Balloon. Or click on the Patreon ad right there on the front page of wordballoon.com. Thank you, as always, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by Aftershock Comics, shaking things up at your local comic shop right now. A Walk Through Hell by Garth Ennis and Goran Suzuka. Animosity by Marguerite Bennett and Raphael De La Tour. And Hot Lun Special by Elliot Real and Jorge Fornesa. Just some of the great books that you can find. I urge you to go to AftershotComics.com. You'll find full story descriptions, preview pages, and the diamond codes on these books to order them through your local comic shop. Head there now, AftershotComics.com. Thanks again for listening. Uh, New York Comic Con, less than two weeks away. Can't wait. So excited. Just talking to Franco at Dance Lot. A few other creators off record, just, uh, you know, casual conversations about how excited we all are. It is going to be great. Man, they got the DC and Marvel guys pretty busy as well. They all have meetings happening right before New York Comic Con. I can't wait to hear the announcements that are going to be made. I can't wait to see everybody, both creator and fan alike. And uh, I don't have a booth. I will be wandering mostly through Artist Alley. I'll be attending panels. I hope you'll come up and say hello. I hope you'll give me a chance to thank you for listening to Word Balloon at New York Comic Con. Uh, It's great. And uh, if you don't know, I uh, just started another boxing uh, podcast called The Big Bout Podcast. The episodes are on the front page of wordballoon.com. We just had a big pay-per-view event that ended in controversy, don't they all? Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez. A great fight. They gave the decision to Canelo. I thought Triple G won myself. Uh, conversation with my uh, sports radio buddy Mike North who's another fight fan we talk about that fight but also uh, the Big Bout podcast will focus on boxing history and this weekend marks a very famous fight from the 1920s 
Jack Dempsey and Gene Tunney. Unbelievable fight at Soldier Field in my backyard of Chicago, Illinois, 91 years ago. The Long Cowed fight. I did an audio documentary about that back in 2002 and had some incredible boxing experts talking about it. I am representing that audio documentary along with the raw interviews. Jack Cavanaugh, a great Gene Tunney biographer, goes into detail. Check it out. Really interesting conversation with Jack Cavanaugh on Gene Tunney, who's best remembered for being on his butt while Jack Dempsey knocked him down. But Tunney won that fight. He won both of those fights. Imagine if the focus were on Joe Frazier for the great battles he had with Muhammad Ali, despite the fact that he lost two of the three fights. That's what Gene Tunney is suffering from. Tunney won, but Jack Dempsey is a bigger star. Very interesting stuff from Jack Cavanaugh on the Big Bout podcast. And you can find those episodes at wordballoon.com. Along with some more great conversation. In fact, today we're also releasing a wonderful conversation with my dear friend Christina Merkler, who is the co founder of Discount Comic Book Service and InStockTrades.com, a great sponsor here at Word Balloon. Christina is now the president of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, a tremendous nonprofit organization made up of comic book people that are out there protecting the rights of stores and creators when it comes to freedom of speech, the First Amendment. And I'm happy to welcome Christina Merkler on my show to discuss uh, her protections of First Amendment rights with the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. I hope you'll join me. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.